Hello, and welcome to Selective Hearing. I'm your host, Julie DeMar, and today I have a special guest, transformational and empowerment mindset coach and disability advocate, Shanice Green. So I want to begin by sharing your story. Okay, so I won't go too much into my story because I would be probably be here for a year. But my story started at, like everyone, at birth. My mum had quite a traumatic birth with me. Um, I was in special care for six days. And then at the age of six months old, roughly, um, I ended up having a bowel condition, which basically meant it was hard for me to go for a number two. No doctors would listen correctly because I would turn blue. And it got to the stage where I haven't really told this story, but it got to the stage where my mum and my dad brought me to accident and emergency and my dad pinched me my dad pinched me so i would cry and turn blue and then they'll listen they thought it was i was allergic to dairy they changed my milk and nothing really changed and then after time you know they i was under a specialist for my bowel condition and it wasn't until i was six years old everything was fine up until then my mum said I was a little bit of a clumsy child, so I used to like fall over a lot. When I was six, I went into hospital for a washout. And basically what that is, the tube up your nose, down your throat and into your stomach. Beautiful, not. And it just clears you out. The day I was going home, I believe it was a nurse asked my mum why my head was over to one side. And my mum said, I've just put it down to shyness because I was quite a shy child anyway. I was her first child and here in the UK, I we start school at like four and a half. So I was already at school. Um, I was under a specialist for my bowel and no one ever discussed about me having my head over to one side. So my mum didn't have anything to worry about. Well, she didn't think she did because all these specialists, all these that were at school or at the hospital never said anything. And the nurse said to my mum, can I just lift up her top and have a look at her back? And mum said, okay, that's fine. We're getting ready to go home. And they did that and they noticed that there was a curvature in my spine. From then, the ball started rolling rapidly. I had x-rays and CT scans and MRI scans and I was referred to one of the most amazing children's hospital here in the UK. Children from all around the world go to this hospital. And I was diagnosed with three, but only three then, um, neurological conditions. And my parents were told if I did not have my first surgery, which was at the base of my brain, I wouldn't be here today. Of course, it was a lot for them, because what option do you have? The option is to either, your child has this surgery, which of course has complications anyway, because it's surgery, and of course it's underneath the like base of the brain, to give her a chance or not give her the surgery, and then she wouldn't be here. So it was either a choice of me not being here in the future, or me having this surgery, and possibly having complication and not being here anyway. So mm -hmm. I had my first surgery, at the age of seven, um, at the base of my brain. From then, every six to eight months, I would go in for more surgery on my spine. And I have a 
pleural shunt that they call it. Basically, it's a plastic tube that goes from the middle of middle of my spine and goes round into my lungs and it drains the fluid off. And of course, children grow. Children grow at a rapid speed. So of course, this tube would keep on dislodging and moving and getting blocked. So I would just have to go back in again for them to take it out and put it back in. Um, that was up until I was 10. When I was 10, I had, like normal, my MRI scan that I would have every six months just to check everything was okay. And it was the summer break. We were going on a UK holiday vacation. I had the MRI. We went away. It was lovely. I came home. I was due to go back to school on the Monday. When we got home, there was a message, a voice message on the answer machine to say that Shanice had to go into hospital on Tuesday for further surgery. This surgery was the same surgery I had when I was seven at the base of my brain. So my mum decided to send me to school on the Monday, like normal, because she wanted me to have routine. And it was my norm to go into hospital, have surgery, have a week off or two off school, and then go back to school. Every six to eight months, that would happen. This time it didn't happen. I went in on the Tuesday, went to school on the Monday, went in on the Tuesday, said goodbye to my sister and my dad, spoke to my granddad in the morning. I had my surgery and I ended up having four surgeries in the space of six days, which is a lot of general anaesthetic. I ended up with a blood clot at the base of my brain. Thankfully, touch wood, they got the blood clot out, but I ended up paralysed from the neck down. Um, I'm not paralysed now. I don't remember much, thankfully. My mum says it's good that I don't because it was hard. I remember learning how to do everything again. Thankfully, I wasn't paralysed after maybe a month or so. But I had to learn everything again. Like you do as a child, as when you're like, you know, learning how to walk and, you know, feed yourself. I had to do that all again. Everything that I learned back then, I had to learn again. I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't hold a pen. I couldn't do anything for myself. Eventually, they taught me how to sit up on my own, which was amazing. I remember my mum cried because she never thought that was possible. You know, I was alive and I was safe. From then, I was in that hospital for about three months and then they decided to send me to a rehabilitation hospital just so I could learn how to stand, see how far they can push me so I can get a little bit further. Previously to that, while this is all going on, my house, my home that I was living in, wasn't accessible for me. It wasn't adapted. It had steps to go in, so it wasn't viable. I, they would not allow me home unless I had a place to go back to. So in that time, my mum had to find us a new place as well as stay with me in hospital and as well as my sister was at home with my dad. My sister's five years younger than me. It was a crazy time. While I was in the first hospital, my dad, my sister and my granddad would get on maybe two to three buses every Saturday to come and see me. I would go through all this nice stuff through the week and my excitement was Saturday. It, it was, I'm going to see them and it's just going to be normal. My granddad was in chronic pain and was walking with a walking stick and he still got on three buses to come and see his grandbaby. 
So when they moved me to this rehabilitation hospital, it was further away. There was no way they could come to see me. And that was tough. That was really tough. The hospital that I was in, I had my own room. I had my own bathroom. It was, it was just amazing. It was amazing. As much as I was in not a nice place, because I was in hospital, it was the best that I could get. And then moving there, it, it was like 12 to 16 beds in one room. There was like maybe two feet between one bed and the other bed. So my mum couldn't stay with me. She had to stay in a, I think like a little hotel in the hospital complex. So she would, you know, put me to bed and then she would go. I didn't know these people. I was lost, you know. I didn't know what I was doing. And that is where it all started to kick in. I felt alone and I didn't feel safe. I believe that's where my depression started. Thankfully, my mum found us a place to live and they allowed me home for Christmas. So I was allowed home for two weeks. I could go home. I could see my little sister. I could see my dad and my granddad. And yeah, okay, it wasn't the normal, you know, my normal Christmas. I didn't feel like it. And it was a new place, so it was a little bit, oh, you know, I'm not sure on this, but I've got no choice. I'm with my family. I'm safe. Mm -hmm. And then they sent me back for a couple of weeks, which was really tough, even more tough than me actually being in hospital because my sister, I'd see my little sister cry and we were leaving her again. And then when I finally came out of hospital a few weeks later, I came out of hospital on the 28th of January and it was a few days before my birthday because my birthday's on the 2nd of February. It was just amazing to be home. You know, the worries just disappeared. I went back to school in the March and then, you know, I was in chronic pain. I would have days off school because of my pain. I had muscle spasms, but my education wise was pretty good. And I didn't have another surgery, touch wood, like big surgery. I had little surgeries like on my feet, but I didn't have another big surgery until I was 16. So I went from 10, having four operations in six days to 16, which was absolutely amazing. But I think I was probably around 14 when I started walking in my frame, which was a complete godsend. It just made me feel like a, I don't like to say it, but I, back then I felt like a normal person. I felt like everyone else because when I was in the wheelchair, everyone would stare and they didn't know how to interact with me or they didn't know they didn't know what to say to me and it was kind of tough. But so when I was in walking the frame, I was their level. I am short. I'm five foot one, but I was more <laughs> their level I was before. You know, people looking down at you and you know feeling sorry for you because you're in a wheelchair. And I'm not that type of person. I'm the type of person that's like, I am who I am. It is what it is. I'm a typical girl who's just at school, who just wants to learn and have fun. That was it. At 16, I had another surgery and I remember the surgeon saying to me, you're like an old penny because you keep on coming back. <laughs> I've never heard that one before. <laughs> So, That's because basically you. at the age of 16, uh, well, once you get to 17, you're discharged from um, 
paediatrics from children's hospital and go on to adult hospital. And I think the man was willing never to see me again, but he saw me again. You know, I kept on coming back. That man had sleepless nights over me. He came off holiday for me when I was a child to come and operate on me. Like, that's how bad it was. And so I went back, I had another surgery. My shunt tube was lodged in my spinal cord. And then I had a few years without surgery. And then basically I had my first child at the age of 18. Of course, pregnancy puts things, you know, puts a toll on your body. So I ended up in the wheelchair again, but I was gonna be a mum. So it, it didn't really bother me to that extent. I got through schooling, but when I was, if I go back now to 15, I think I'll depression hit and I went to the doctors and they, said they're going to put me on medication for it and I chose after a few weeks it wasn't right for me it wasn't right for me I didn't feel right it, it wasn't me looking at it now the way that I got through it without medication was my mindset because I wouldn't have been able to get through it but back then I didn't realize that's what it was after I had my first child I had another surgery. It was my first surgery in an adult hospital and it was scary and I didn't know what to do and I just wanted my mum. Just after that, I believe it was just before I had my son when I was 20, I was told that there's not much more they can do for me. That is when it put a rocket up my backside because I already knew the complications from my surgeries. I knew the complications from my neurological conditions. I knew that there's a possibility that I wouldn't wake up the next day. And now they're telling me that there's not much more they can do. I've got, I soon to have new, two children. Like, what am I going to do? I need to do something. And it was then that I was like, I need to make sure that my children are financially secure. That was my goal then, that was my goal. And then I, joined a company and found out all about personal development and it completely changed my life completely changed my life because just after I had my daughter at 18 I lost my granddad my complete hero and I didn't know what else to do my children my child then was just my driving force there was nothing else I believe that was keeping me on this earth I'm very straight to the point when I lost my granddad I couldn't even hold my child and she was only a month and a half old. She had family to hold her, of course, and look after her, but I couldn't, I couldn't. Once I learned about personal development and learned about myself, that was the game changer because without that, I wouldn't be where I am today, 110%. So after that, I did go through mental and emotional abuse from my children's father, and there was a little bit of physical, I'm not gonna lie, and it was my mindset that got me through it. My children, of course, got me through it. But without my mindset and without me saying, I'm going to be here for my children, I'm going to make us a better life, it wouldn't be the same. So that's where I got to how here now. Because when I was younger, I decided I wanted to be a nurse. And that couldn't happen because I got in a wheelchair. And then I wanted to be a doctor. So I always knew that I wanted to help people. I had my health and social care um diploma to me personally there wasn't a person out there there wasn't a company out there that would employ someone that's in chronic pain and it's just going to pick up the phone one day and say I can't come in today because I didn't know how I was going to feel each day there was days 
and still is days where I can't lift my head off the pillow. I can't function through the day. I get up with the kids in the morning, they go to school, and then my body decides if we're going to carry on through the day or we're going to go back to bed. But I knew there was something that, I would, there was a purpose while I was here. My granddad always told me, my granddad told me from a young age, and I asked him, why me? And he said to me, God does not give these things to people unless they're strong enough to deal with it. And that's what kept me going. So there was a reason why I'm here. There's a reason why I'm in a wheelchair. There's a reason why I'm on this earth. And it isn't just to just be, it's to do something with my life. And that's where I'm at now. Why your story is so inspiring and could drive to have like such a great impact is because there's so many layers to it. Because you have the part of you going through these things yourself, but then your family was going through these things with you. A lot of times people don't realize that when one person is experiencing something, their support system is always experiencing those things with them. Your story can help not only little girls and, and little boys or even adults who are experiencing different things as a result of maybe having, you know, a similar story, but it can help their families deal with the emotions that are tied to having a loved one that's experiencing something that they can't control. I mean, you're a mom, I'm a mom, and there's we want to do everything for our kids. We want to take everything on and away from them. We don't want them to suffer or struggle or hurt. You know, like my kid, he can run into the wall right now. And the first thing I want to do is like, let me fix it. The emotions that are tied to a mother or a father not being able to fix it are great. So to have someone like you be able to say, hey, not only did I go through it, not only did I go through it, but my family went through it with me, but we stood by each other, we supported each other and we were there. That is truly encouraging and inspiring to listeners who may be in similar situations. But also, I want to take things a step further. And, you know, I know we're going to get into what it is that you do, but you come from a beautiful situation because you had support, but we know that there are people who are experiencing hardships that don't have support. And that's why this platform is so great because we can get on and have conversations like this and offer people little beacons of hope so that they can understand that your your support system is there. It may not look like mom and dad or having, like you did, a, a very beautiful grandfather, but it may be the person who is speaking to you on a podcast or the resources that are available in your community or your neighbor. Moving back into what we were talking about, how like important it is to kind of have a mindset that is founded in solutions, finding the solution instead of looking at the problem because the problem isn't going to go away unless we find a way to solve it. So, I mean, we can complain about it. We can cry about it. Sometimes it helps to cry. It's okay. Like, I cry often, it's it's good to let it out. But at the same time, after I wipe those tears away, I'm going to find a solution. Crying about it, screaming about it, making a big fuss about it isn't gonna change it. Like your, your mindset has to, you have to, it has to be solution based. And that is something that I really just learned recently because I can 100% tell you honestly that I was a complainer and did not even realize I was complainer. I'm like, I'm just telling you what's wrong. It was like, no, that's a complaint. So, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. And I learned that from my own mindset coach. Like, okay. So that's what I'm doing. It's like, okay, so what are you going to do about it? Now you got it off your chest. What's next? And I'm like, okay. 
good question. <laughs> so, so moving along with what we were discussing, because this is all about you and your beautiful story and how the things that you have endured in this life, you've taken those things in, in stride and you've made sure that even though you had bad days and you had hard times, that you've, you've turned those trials into triumph. Now, after going through what you went through as a child and as a young adult, and even, you know, going through new life-changing experiences while experiencing those hardships, like becoming a mother, you know, the loss of your grandfather. Today, can you explain to the audience what it is you do? So I am a empowerment and transformational, uh, transformational and empowerment mindset coach and a disability advocate. And what I do basically, cut all the whole bio out, it's just about showing people and that they are enough and having the belief in themselves and realizing that it doesn't matter how old you are. I had a 50 year old lady come to me a couple of weeks ago and said, I would love to be able to change my mindset, but I'm too old now. No, you're not, you're still on this earth. You're still here. There's always time to adapt and make the positive change in your life. You know, I decided a few years ago that I need to put my happiness first. And that was really, really tough, really tough. And I looked back so many times. I knew I was in a relationship that I didn't want to be in, but I was too scared to take the first step because what if other people think that it's wrong for me? But they're not living my life. We need to put ourselves first and learn to believe in ourselves because actually the only person that's with you 24 7 is you and that was a hard thing for me to realize because my children are my absolute wealth but if i'm happy and i'm happier even though they're happy in general they'll be happier you know so it's just about showing them the obstacles they've been through in life whether it's little or big they can get through it obstacles come in our way every single day you know, whether it's big or small, every day. But it's about if we notice that, if we see it as an obstacle and as a let, let allow it to stress us out, almost, okay, now what do I do? How do I get through it? How do I get around it? I always use the analogy, I don't know if you have it over there, but my children used to read this book called We're Going on a Bear Hunt. And basically, they made me read it about 20 million times a day. Like, seriously. There's a song and my kids sing it all the time. My four-year-old yeah. loves going on a bear hunt. Yeah, Always. but to look at it, it makes sense. How do we get through this? We can't go around it. We can't go, we can't go under it. We can't go over it. We're going to have to go through it. So how do we get through this obstacle rather than allowing us, allowing us to stop and not move any further? Because life still moves, life still goes on. Are we going to allow this obstacle that's in front of us to stop us from living our life? Spot on. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. Why I'm so drawn to, in, a, in so many of these conversations, to people whose uh, focus are in mindset coaching. Because like I'm not here to take away from traditional talk therapy because I think that traditional talk therapy is is also necessary. It's also a beautiful thing. It, however, it grants you a different set of tools and it gives you a different perspective. And that's what life is all about. It's about gaining perspective. 
But I feel like with mindset coaching, mindset development, I think that it's so important and it's so beautiful because it takes away all of the fluff and it makes you stand in the mirror and confront the person that's looking back at you and say like, hey, I'm talking to you. Like, and what are you gonna do about you? And there's there's nowhere to run from that. You can't blame that on anybody else. You can't, it's, it's, it's all you and what you want for your life and the choices are, that you're willing to make and furthermore, the work that you're willing to do. And that's why I, I absolutely love coaches. And I, I've never, I, there, there may be some out there, but you are the first coach that I've ever met that specializes and focuses in helping people who are struggling with disabilities and helping them specifically, you know, take, well, I'll let you talk about it, but, you know, take, take, take their power into their hands and, and own their chairs. So I'll let you speak about like what that means and some of the things that you do there as well. Do you know what, it's quite funny you say that because that's the whole reason behind it as well. I didn't know, I've never heard of a coach that maybe on the same wavelength as me, you know, has, you know, the mindset wise, if you can help me mindset wise, great. But can you help me the fact of, I have a limitation and I'm feeling very negative about this limitation. Can you help with that? No, you can't. And the first lady I remember I worked with and when I first started coaching, because going back, I was, when I was 16, um, maybe 17, I was doing my health and social care level three. And one of the teachers said to me, oh my goodness, you'd be an amazing um, counsellor. And I said, no, I wouldn't. I said, because I'm very straight to the point and I'm going to call you someone out if I believe they're talking BS, you know? And when, I think it was a few years ago, I, I was talking to a spinal cord injury association well they basically just check up on you how are you doing um it, it was the first time i spoke i spoke to this man and he was asking about my story and stuff like that so i was going through it um, and he said oh my goodness have you ever thought about becoming a life coach and i said absolutely not i would not do that i'm no good at it i i'm very straight to the point and a lot of people are not gonna like me and he said to me have you ever thought about writing a book on your life and i said no because it's just my journey and I don't find it fascinating it's just my life and everyone has their own journey in life like it's, it's nothing to me and after a while I started putting up things on social media about you know me learning how to walk again which I didn't get there but I was learning how to do steps and I used to have a personal trainer and I learned how to do my daughter's hair using one hand and basically my teeth um and I was in magazines I was also in the one of the US news um reports as well I was getting you know everyone go, oh, you're an inspiration and it took me a what like a long while to accept that someone giving me a compliment I was like yeah okay no I, I, it was really really difficult I worked on my mindset but not enough because I couldn't take compliments so the first lady, after a while, I decided to just go for the life coaching course. I loved it because I love studying. I adore studying. The first lady I worked with, she came to me and she said, I would not talk to anyone else apart from you. And I was like, okay. 
okay, now I'm a little scared. I just did it because, you know, I like studying and I didn't realise it was going to come into, I, I, I was really scared, like out of my comfort zone, you know? And it worked out that she hadn't been out for a year because she ended up having to go out in a wheelchair because she couldn't walk for, for, far enough. And she was embarrassed. It just chokes me up even to think about it now. And her reasoning behind it was because people would stare at her. And I've had that my whole life. People stare or people used to ask my mum who was pushing me, oh, how is she? She's got a mouth, you need to ask her yourself. And that was just my life. You know, I was very, even to this day, I, I feel like I still do it, but not as much. I would just look forward or look down. I wouldn't look at my surroundings because I knew there was people staring at me. I could feel the eyes, you know? So I understood exactly where she was coming from. She worked with me for four weeks. After them four weeks, she messaged me a photo of her in a wheelchair. She was out with her husband for a meal. And then she sent me another photo of her and her kids out and she was in a wheelchair. And I was like, wow, okay, this is clearly why you're doing it. Like, it was just, it was my confirmation. This is why you're on this earth. This is it. This is it. Because, yes, okay, it's taken me a long time to accept my wheelchair. I know it's there. I knew it was there. And it wasn't going anywhere. But I wasn't accepting it in a positive way. Whereas now, I say every single day, I'm grateful for my wheelchair because I can get around. I can go and do things. If not, I would be bedbound. And I truly believe it was down to gratitude and noticing my surroundings. Something so little as I'm grateful for this bottle of water, we take for granted. So, but yeah, that's why I decided. And that's why I love doing it. And it's just, it's just my passion. Just my passion. My son said to me, it was last month, I think it was, he was having a quite a deep conversation because he's very deep. And he he's only eight. I don't know how we got into the conversation, but about the ripple effect. He used the analogy of, well, my mum is helps other people so if she helps that person then they will teach another person and so on and so on and that's the ripple effect and I was like yes that is it you've got it like literally you have got it and he's like yeah so if I'm nice to some person then maybe they'll be nice to another person said so there you go there you go so I believe we need to teach our children from a young age that they are enough, that they can do what they want in life. And whatever obstacles are in our way, what are you grateful for? My children do their gratitude and affirmations every single morning. And some mornings, exactly the same thing. But they're noticing their surroundings. And that's what we need to do as well as human beings. It's, it's just, I, I love it. I love it. So I'm going to ask you a question. And I'd like to ask everyone this question because everyone has a different perspective. What is selective hearing to you? What does that mean when you hear the words selective hearing? Okay, so back when I was younger, it would have been completely different. I can honestly say it would be completely different because my sister 
to me, if you would have said selective hearing when I was younger, I would automatically think of my sister, who is 90% deaf in one ear. That's what I would have thought. Now, selective hearing is, to me, what can you actually hear? Are you hearing yourself? Does that make sense? Like, yes. intuition, you know? Mm. Inside you, what can you actually... Are you actually listening? Whether you can physically hear or not, are you physically listening and noticing what's around you and you know why that's so beautiful because in order to hear what's going on around us we have to hear ourselves first everything starts with us we have to be the change we have to be the change that we want to see so if you want to affect change then change yourself first because you can't pour anything out into the world until you pour it into you and that is one of the biggest reasons why I'm going to keep sharing stories like this, because we don't have to be famous or have a million followers or be these influencers, if you will. Everyone, I feel like everyone that's on this earth has a call to service placed on their life. If they choose to listen to it and follow it or not, that's completely up to them. But I feel like we've all been called into service in some regard. And in order to help each other, we have to help ourselves first. So that is why I do this show. This is why I want to share these kind of stories because I feel like I can walk past you on the street. People can walk past me in the street. I'm in the supermarket. I'm out, I'm out just like everybody else. You know, I'm picking my kids up from school and I have the ability to affect change in someone else's life without even knowing it just by putting myself out there in a certain way, sharing my story, being kind, being considerate. Like you said, opening up my eyes and paying attention to what's going on around me. So that is why I don't just wanna share my story, but I wanna share other stories of hope. Because even if I don't live to see it, I know that if I put enough out there, someone else may, like you said, the ripple effect, and they may pick up the ball and carry it and so on and so forth. And eventually the world is gonna be a much better place for it. I totally agree, I 100% agree with you. My goal is to, when I'm not on this earth anymore, to be able to look down and someone say my name and someone else say, yeah, I've heard of her. She changed my life or she changed my family member's life because it starts from one person, one person one stone that is thrown in the water and it just starts bouncing. Mm -hmm. If you can teach one person one thing and they can go on and teach that to someone else, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely amazing. I love talking to you. <laughs> I, I really do. You are very, you are amazing. So how can people contact you for coaching opportunities. So I'm gonna go back and quickly tell you, my business is called Will Empower Coaching. And it's Will spelled as W-H-E-E-L as in wheelchair. Just, I like, I love that. And everyone thought I was crazy when I put that out there, but I was like, that's what it's going to be. So you can contact me on either. My website is willempowercoaching.com 
or my email address is willempowercoaching at gmail.com and I'm on social media I'm on Instagram at Shanice Will Empower and I'm also over on Facebook as Shanice Green or Will Empower Coaching and I will also have all of that information in the bio so as you're reading through what this episode is about you will also find all of Shanice's information there well I would like to say thank you for coming and speaking to me today and I am inspired by you the the audience doesn't know but this is our second conversation and I was really looking forward to talking to you I didn't even realize that my calendar was open and when I saw you pop up I was like I have a I have one sooner than March and I was like oh and I like I had my son's birthday party this week and everything I was like okay go get the gifts and like typing go do this and like so, I know you was like March. I was like, oh, okay. Then when I looked, I was like, wait, I, I'm gonna have to just grab it. Just yeah. grab it now. Just go with it. But I just want to say one last thing. I want everyone to remember that nobody is perfect, but you are perfectly yourself. Nobody can do you better than you. And that will be an amazing message to close off on. And I just want to thank you all for listening. And this is Selective Hearing.